Welcome to episode 85 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 85 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm doing great. Doing great. Had some interesting excitement at the Stevens house over the past couple days. Oh, what is the interesting excitement? Well, did you see it on Facebook? I don't know if you did. It was just on my, on my regular Facebook page. Um, I don't know if you ever look at that. I, I rarely get anywhere but the Facebook groups myself. But um, are you familiar with the famous um, raccoon incident of 2016? No, but is this related to the shoplifting post that you posted? No. Oh. What was the shoplifting? That made me laugh. I laughed out loud. Oh, oh, when I chased the shoplifters. I was like, I already had forgotten that. Yeah, I chased some shoplifters out of a store. I read that and I <laughs> I laughed. I just don't even didn't even think. Then after I did it, I was like, that probably was a bad idea. I was at um TJ Maxx one day this week and somebody I was like checking out and some people like like, it was a whole bunch of them, like a shoplifting gang. Like, five people, they all ran out with armloads full of clothes and got into waiting cars and drove away. And so, not even thinking, I f- chased them out and tried to take pictures of the cars. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was separate from the raccoon incident. Okay, what's, what is the raccoon incident? So, you, you don't know the famous raccoon story of 2016. You didn't know me back then. I don't know if I've talked about it. I had a raccoon. I think we talked about raccoons before because I said one time I came home and there was a raccoon in my house. Yeah, we had a raccoon that was coming in the house for a while in 2016, so we did some battle with that. And we moved where we keep the food. We got that raccoon trapped. It's It's been a couple years now. So two nights ago, my son came into the bedroom while I was asleep and said, there's a raccoon in the kitchen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm in a dead sleep. And, and so I got up. And um, I was able to see it running out the pet door. We have a pet door. And you could went into the kitchen. He had knocked over the cat food container, which was metal, and made a clanging sound. And you could see little raccoon prints everywhere in the kitchen. And our house, the way it's laid out, the kitchen is nowhere near the cat door. So this the raccoon was, like, traipsing all around the house. And I don't know how long it had been in there and how long it's been doing it. Because the other one came in for months before we figured out what was going on because— um, there was always cat food in the water bowl. That's apparently a big sign that a raccoon's been there. So last night we were going to trap the raccoon. Turns out it was two raccoons. <laughs> and they were like on the porch. We had the lights on. We had the cat food in the trap and everything. So I was able to film these two raccoons. And they weren't even the least bit shy. They, they For all we know, they like were living here for a long time. <laughs> they weren't even scared. They were getting the cat food out of the trap, just eating it. We eventually were able to trap them. We trapped both of them in the same trap. It was kind of like a raccoon miracle. I was just thinking, what does raccoon taste like? I wonder. Uh, yeah, I'm not. People used to eat raccoon. I mean, back in the day, but no, we did not. We did not eat the did raccoons. Did not have raccoon for dinner. No. What are we the really? Not. What are the really mean animals? Possums. Um, possums. I feel like we've had this conversation. Yeah, those are Maybe. the mean ones, right? Yeah, and they're not. They're not cute. 
<laughs> They're really ugly. But, oh, my God, those raccoons were adorable. Looking at me with their little bandit eyes in the trap. I mean, I don't know how we got them. We were, It was kind of a miracle because one of them got in there in the trap, and it's supposed to close on them and not, like, snap them like a mouse trap. It's not like that. It's a humane trap. It just traps them. Then you can relocate them or whatever you do with a trapped animal. But we um, one went in there, and the trap didn't close. And then the other one, I was like, please go in, please go in. And it did. And they were both in there together. And then they triggered it somehow and it went snap. And then they were just looking at me with their cute little raccoon eyes. So I figured they were in their um, eating window. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> they are definitely nocturnal eaters, as we were able to tell. <laughs> it, it reminds me, growing up, we used to go to Sanibel Island in Florida. And one of the nightly activities we would do is go there were like a few different dumpsters we knew about that the raccoons would just like go to town and so at night after dinner we would just go park and like watch the raccoons at the dumpsters because there'd be like 20 raccoons they are just so cute i mean the two of them together they were so adorable and they just were like and i'm glad that we caught them together and were able to keep them together so wherever they are right now i will not disclose but they are together and alive I assume. I mean, you know, they were alive last time we saw them, <laughs> and they were together. So, But there is nothing like freaking you out than waking up and knowing you have wild animals in your house. It also reminds me, did, did you ever watch Signs? What is Signs? No. It's my, my favorite movie, almost. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe I did. When was it out? It came out a long time ago. Was it in the, like, late 90s, early 2000s? Mm-hmm. It's M. Night See, that was the period of time when I only watched um, – children's things and Teletubbies and Blue's Clues. Oh, okay. If it was on Blue's Clues, I saw it, but... (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it would be on Blue's Clues. No, It's one of my... It's my favorite suspense movie of all time. Okay. But one of the opening scenes is the little girl goes into her dad's room and wakes him up and says, Daddy, there's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? Oh. That's it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I experienced that, but it was it was exactly that, except, Mom, there's a raccoon in the kitchen. So, Exactly. <laughs> and here's the thing. I have four cats. Okay, that's a lot of cats. They're all just standing around. Every one of them was just standing around. Like, it was no big deal. So that's why I wonder if they've been, you know, like friends. friends. For, yeah. And my son actually did say, I think there might have been two raccoons and i was like no there couldn't have been two and then when we saw two there there were two so they probably all had like big slumber parties every night (laughs) so we're trying to figure out a solution we have the way our house is we don't have anywhere to install one of those pet doors that are like electronic you know that they so we're gonna we're figuring something out we just can't have um the animal kingdom i know we had that problem. We, my my parents finally just got rid of our cat door because of. You see, we don't we don't have a litter box in the house, and so it, it's really nice. They just go outside and then they come back in. So we're trying to figure it out. And also, our cats are just some of them are old. One of them's like fifteen, and he's never had you know a litter box. So anyway, we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> Shall we get into the... Oh, do you have anything to share? Anything new going on in your life? Um, Yes. <laughs> so I actually just started a new Facebook group. Oh, and I did not know that. Yes. So it's for the Yoga of Eating, for the audiobook oh. that I made. Um, it, it was not my idea, actually, but somebody in our the Paleo One Meal a Day group suggested that we start a Yoga of Eating discussion club group. 
Love um, it. So, so The Yoga of Eating is not my book. It's written by Charles Eisenstein, but I did record the audiobook for it, which is up on Audible. And it's a book I talk about <laughs> all the time on the podcast. It's about cultivating a healthy mindset surrounding food, but it has a lot of like actual practices that you do and a lot of exercises and things like that. And just a lot of really good topics for discussion. So I have started a Facebook group. So if anybody's interested in just jumping into a community around surrounding that and discussing the principles in it and talking things out, feel free to join us. So the name of the group is the yoga of eating mindful eating book club exclamation point. Um, so I will put a link in the show notes to that. So feel free to join anybody. And the, the, um, the show notes, by the way, will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 85. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. And we first have some feedback and this is from Michelle and it's, um, her subject was everyone should not be fasting like me at this time. So we know what she's going to say. So here we go. Let's jump into this. Um, She says, Hi, Melanie and Jen. I've been listening to the podcast since I started fasting this year in January. I love you both. I could do a full hour on what's great about you both. And thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. I know that made me happy. I I know. It made me smile. Thank Thank you. you. She said, I was listening to episode 82 where you touched upon whether fasting was for everyone. And I have to say no, at least not at every point in their lives. Long story shorter, I started fasting in January of this year when my daughter suggested it and I forgot my lunch one day. I fell in love with it and continued on with daily binging of your podcast for support. And we have to say, also, Michelle, that's the kind of binging we can get behind, binging on the podcast. Exactly. (laughs) I got my friends and some family doing it and even helped one cure his type 2 insulin-dependent diabetes as long as he keeps it up. I lost 20 pounds and felt amazing for a few months. I have a previous diagnosis of fibromyalgia, but I'm an otherwise healthy 49-year-old nurse. After a few months of one to three-hour daily windows and an occasional 36-hour fast, my body began to crash. Among other things, I started having debilitating headaches that lasted for days a few times a week, swelling, and I started a heavy period that lasted six weeks. What was happening? I did research, a lot of it. I was estrogen dominant and had HPA axis dysfunction from decades of chronic stress and birth control usage for PMDD. Fasting, although good stress, was still the stress that broke the camel's back, so to say. In August, I quit the pill and started bioidentical progesterone. This has been a godsend, but I still couldn't lose weight and my blood pressure was still up. Then I realized my adrenals were working too hard, so... I've been incorporating healthy organic food and meditation into my lifestyle, moderate, non-stressful exercise, and I quit fasting most of the time on weekends. When I fast during the week, it's only for about 16 to 18 hours. Honestly, I probably shouldn't fast at all, but I feel so much more alert during the day when I do, and you need to be on the ball when you're a nurse. When my hormones are balanced, I will slowly fast longer. When I gained the weight back, it came back on my belly entirely, but it's gone down a little. For now, I cheer on everyone else in Jen's fasting group while I wait for my body to heal. I will see a functional medicine doctor after the holidays so I can get some help. I am taking a few supplements as well. When I am better, I am going back to school to be a health coach nurse because we need more medical professionals focusing on helping people prevent disease like this 
and heal naturally by attacking the root causes. You are both awesome. Thanks for listening to my two cents worth. Much love and gratitude, Michelle. All right. What do you have to say about that, Melanie? Well, I really just loved this email from Michelle. We actually got it yesterday, which is means it's a very, very new email. But I just thought it was so wonderful and a really wonderful, nuanced, supportive picture of intermittent fasting while still acknowledging that people, you know, go through different things in their life with their health. And there might be certain times when they need to adjust their intermittent fasting protocol to really make it work for them. You know, and there might be some days that they're better off not fasting. Like for Michelle, she's, she said she's, you know, not doing right now, she's not doing intermittent fasting on the weekend and she's doing a, sh- a longer eating window during the week than she previously was accustomed to. But she's, I'm just, really motivated by it because A, she's seen the benefits of fasting. She's seen it with her family members. She knows how healing it can be and how it can really work for her, but that she also knows that in in the end, we really need to listen to our bodies. And so I think, Michelle, it's I can just really tell that you're becoming really, really intuitive with your body and you're really listening to what it needs at, at different times. And I think that's the way intermittent fasting should be. It should be something that is always supportive and always benefiting us. And we shouldn't feel like, oh, we have to stick to this window every single day because that's the end all be all. But it's more about, you know, how can fasting support me? How can I integrate it into my life? How can I heal? How can I get better? Um, so yeah, I just really, really loved this email. And I wish you the best with everything, Michelle, especially um, getting all the the health cards in line and then with your, your school and everything else. Yeah, I think that's great. And she's right. You know, she said it's a stress. It's a good stress, but it can, you can act absolutely overstress and you can overfast. We talk about this in the Facebook groups actually a lot because, you know, we tend to be in the the camp these days that more is better. You know, sometimes somebody will say, "What's the most effective intermittent fasting?" You know, eating window, and someone will say something that is like sounds like it's cast in stone. They'll say, "Oh, a one hour window. That's the best for weight loss." Well, no. No. And, you know, Michelle was doing a very short eating window, one to three hours a day with 36-hour fasts also thrown in there. That is a very aggressive intermittent fasting protocol. Are there certain seasons when that may work well for somebody? Of course. But you see it, it stopped working well for her and it caused her to have other issues. So my point is, don't feel like you have to fast longer, more. The shorter the window, the better. Sometimes that's not true. You can absolutely overstress your body. You can overfast. You can do too much. And she realized she wasn't feeling well. You know, she talked about she was regaining weight in her belly. You know, having belly fat is linked to having excess cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And so that's a sign right there if you find yourself gaining weight around your belly. Think about, you know, she's incorporating um, meditation. She's doing a more gentle approach, and she's not doing it every day of the week. So I think that is absolutely fabulous information, and I love that she's so in tune with her body. It also made me think of, Jen, have you ever taken any adaptogens for adrenal support? No, that's so funny, but I was just talking to a friend about them this morning. Oh, really? (laughs) About ashwanga, ashwandaga? Ashwagandha. That's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, ashwagandha, I can never know how to say it. Yeah, just this morning, a friend came over for coffee, and we were hanging around, and um, we were talking about somebody we know that has problems with anxiety, and she recommended I can never say ashwagandha. <laughs> yeah. So just today I was talking about that. I knew you were going to say that when you said adaptogens. Yeah. So for listeners, most are probably familiar, but adaptogens are basically plant, different plants that have an adaptogenic effect on the 
on the body and the nervous system and the adrenals oftentimes. And basically the way they work is rather than the way pharmaceuticals typically work in having a a definite end effect of doing something to the adrenal system, like this is going to decrease your stress or this is going to increase your a certain hormone adaptogens. They work holistically with the body. They tend to regulate the adrenal system. So if the system needs to be quote less stressed, and this is me talking like very vaguely, but if they, they regulate the system and they bring it back into balance or they can for a lot of people. And ashwagandha is probably, probably the most famous of the adaptogens. I actually started experimenting with it probably about two weeks ago. Um, because ever since the heavy metals that I've talked about, and I, like I said, I've been doing a lot of chelating, which stirs up, stirs up a lot of metals in your body. And it's, it's been doing a number on my system personally, just having all of, all of that floating around in my body all the time. Um, so I've been, I've definitely been feeling like, I feel like things are getting a little bit crazy with my adrenals and my mood and things like that. So I was like, I'm going to try supplementing. And I started supplementing with ashwagandha and I've actually been seeing pretty definite effects from it. I'm pretty sure it's that. I mean, I'm always like trying different things, but I'm pretty sure it's from the ashwagandha. The thing I've noticed the most is I was getting a ton of temperature fluctuations. Like I would be um, freezing and then I'd be burning up and then I'd be like cold, like cold sweats, which I hate. <laughs> and um, those are the worst. I hate those. Um, but I feel like it's really bringing me back into balance. Um, and I did find a, I did find a, cer- a certain version of it with no additives and no fillers and everything like that. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Like I said, it's really individual and it, 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 it may work for you. It may not work for you. Um, but I'll put a link in the show notes to the one that I liked. And that might be something Michelle might want to try out if she's not already. So that will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 85. Yeah, and send me an email of that sooner. I don't want to have to wait till like episode 85. Okay, sure. <laughs> Because my friend, like I, I said, was... Yeah. <laughs> My friend was looking for, um, and we were just talking about that today, like I said. Sure, I will. I'll send it your way. I love synchronicity and how it works in your life. Things show up right when you need them. I know. Them. I, feel like, I feel like that happens with us all the time with It stuff. does. Yeah. All right. So now we can jump into the actual questions. So the first question comes from Libby, and the subject is Atrantil. And Libby says, I listened to your great podcast with Dr. Ken Brown twice. <laughs> I ordered Atrantil and began taking it. I think it may be helping my IBSD, but to take it as suggested, I need to have food that breaks my morning fast. What do you suggest? Also, I need help with preventing worse IBSD with my first meal after a fast of 18 hours. Ideas? Thanks. So I wanted to throw this question in here because ever since we aired the episode with Dr. Ken Brown, which was episode number 79. Dr. Kim Brown is a gastroenterologist and he developed a supplement called Atrantil, which can, it can really be a wonder for addressing gut issues, especially if you have, um, IBS with constipation or just gas and bloating. And we aired that episode and we have received so much amazing listener feedback. Um, I personally actually use Atrantil and find it a wonder for GI issues and but we we're getting a lot of questions, especially right after we aired it. We got a ton of questions from listeners because it is it does say to take it with food. And um, so I actually contacted Dr. Brown and asked him to clarify about the supplement. And um, so what we're telling listeners, if you if you did order Atrantil, 
yes, it's supposed to be taken with food, but you can, you can take it during the fast as well. So for example, after we had that interview, it motivated me to do a more intensive regimen with it. And cause I was just taking it once a day, but now I've been taking it three times a day. So I do take it. I take it in the morning. I don't worry about it breaking my fast. I take it on an empty stomach. I take it midday and I take it with food as well. So, um, listeners, you can totally do that. And also we do have, um, a discount for listeners. If listeners are interested in purchasing Autron Teal for themselves. So if you go to lovemytummy.com slash IFP, you can use the code IFP. So that stands for intermittent fasting podcast, and you will get 10% off. So if you would like to try on Twenty, definitely use that link so you can save some money there. And then as for Libby's second question, so she says she needs help with preventing worse IBSD after a meal. So IBSD, the D stands for diarrhea, <laughs> which is always a fun time. So I'm, what I'm thinking, um, Libby is, so clearly you probably have some <laughs> digestion and some, probably some gut microbiome stuff. That's a little bit wonky. And the reason you probably get the diarrhea once you eat, it's probably not you ate the food and then that food is you know, immediately going straight through you. Um, it's probably because once you start eating, that starts the digestive process, which stimulates movement all throughout your intestines. Um, and if there is dysfunction in there, you're probably evacuating, you know, what, what is already in you. Um, so for suggestions, I mean, I don't know anything about what you're eating. Um, but this, for me, for my personal opinion is this is really going to come down to a what you're eating thing. And it's really going to be finding out the foods that do work for you. So food choices are huge. And so we don't know what the problem is. Um, We don't know if it's more gut microbiome, if it's food choices, but I would recommend. So if you go to melanieavalon.com slash guides, I actually have a few different free guides there that can help you try to pinpoint food sensitivities. Um, There's one that's an IBS guide specifically, and it compares different IBS protocols. So you can see which foods are are, are in the green light on different things like FODMAPs, for example, um, or the GAPS diet. And it kind of compares everything. So you can see, you can look for trends and um, it's color coded (laughs) and it has over 300 different foods. I also have a food sensitivity guide that also um, is color coded and shows different, different, um, plant compounds that are in foods, different compounds that are in foods that may be bothering you. So if you know there are different foods that are bothering you, you might be able to find a trend looking through those guides. It could also just be a macronutrient thing. Like maybe you do better with more fat. Maybe you do better with less fat. And then also, (laughs) um, supplementing with different digestive support might help. It's funny. I feel, I feel like we're, we're referencing all these different, um, all the we're referencing all these different podcasts, but it, it's great because we've, we've, we've covered so much content, Jen, that we can be like, yep. go to this podcast. Um, there you go. <laughs> so Libby, if you check out last week's podcast, which was episode number 84, we actually had on Wade Lightheart on the podcast and Jen, I love that interview. Did you? Yeah, it was, it was really, really fascinating. He went through the whole digestive process from like beginning to end fascinating. Um, but his company, they actually have a, they have a whole line of support. They have a whole line of supplements supporting 
digestive issues and things like that. And they're also really good about talking to you and helping you find out what might benefit you best. So I would actually suggest Libby, you might want to, um, get on their website and talk to them and see if they can recommend anything for you specifically for IBSD. Um, cause they have some probiotics, they have some digestive supplement support. I started taking their probiotic recently and I've been noticing a huge difference with it. It's been absolutely amazing. If you go to biooptimizers.com slash IF podcast and use the coupon code IF podcast, then you'll get 20% off as well. So if you do talk to them and they recommend something, definitely use that link because 20% is substantial. Um, but yeah, like I said, it can be hard to tell. So check out those free guides, maybe those supplements. Um, Jen, do you have any suggestions for Libby? No, I think you are very comprehensive in your response. I will say, um, do you find that a lot in the Facebook groups that people have this issue where once they open, like they're good during the fast, and then once they open the fast, they get that evacuation response? Some people do, and especially at first, and then it settles down over time. Like their bodies adjust. Like at first, they're like, what's happening? Like their body is is like, what is this? What's going on? And then they they adjust to it. I never had that problem, um, fortunately. I'm very happy to say. Um, but people do report it, but it usually gets better. And that was something I remember Wade talked about last episode was he was saying, talking about, you know, how long it takes for the body to adjust to, you know, different new, new diets right. and new patterns yeah. of eating. And I think that's something that we've really taken away from a lot of our guest interviews is that, you know, our bodies are really adaptable and they really can adapt to different diets for better or worse, <laughs> you know? So right. like a, a diet might not be suiting you, but your body adapts to it and you are and so you don't realize that it's causing problems. But then on the flip side, you know, you might try a new diet and it might be a little bit rough in the transition. But but if you can get through that transition, then things can really go up from there. Yeah, it's, just, it's a matter of recognizing whether you're adjusting or whether it's making you feel worse because it's not suiting you. And, and you have to give it some time. You know, every negative symptom is not a sign it's not working. But it's all every negative symptom is all, also not something to push through, right? So <laughs> that's it's hard to say. We, you know, you just have to figure it out sometimes. And I think um, that's something I remember Dr. Rousseau, actually, who we also had on a podcast before, was saying, not to us, but on one of the podcasts I listened to with him, um, is he was saying, like, how people, he was saying that, you know, when you, you need, like, when you make a decision to try a new dietary approach, you need to really commit to it for a minimum amount of time because like three weeks yeah. or something did he say? I guess I've heard Dr. He Burt Herring say three yeah, weeks. Yeah, and I think in general, because it can be really easy to get lost in the moment and be like, oh, this is clearly not working. But but if you keep trying something new every single day, you're never going to know like what's working. So Right, because the effects lag behind the cause. It's not instantaneous. You know, if you could take one bite of food and instantaneously know there's a symptom but that's not how it that works. That would be wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah. So definitely whenever you, I do encourage listeners when they do try a new, be it intermittent fasting approach or food choices, whatever it is that they commit to it. And um, for, you know, probably about three weeks or so before they decide to try something new. Yeah. Dr. Burt Herring says for everything you tweak, tweak it, give it three weeks, see what happens. Tweak it again if you need to. Give it another three weeks. See what happens. You know, we, we want instant gratification. We're used to things that, you know, promise, you know, lose 30 pounds in 30 days, you know. But, no, you have to try different things. Tweak it. That's not what this is. We're, we're taking, taking our time. This is the rest of your life. You have the rest of your life to figure out 
what makes you feel good. It's like an adventure. Exactly. Yeah. See it as an adventure. <laughs> All right. Shall we jump into the next few questions? Yes. We have two questions that are about the same topic. The first is from Sabine, and the subject is IF and depression. And Sabine says, Hi, ladies. I'm writing from Canada and have been following your podcast for the last year or so. I have been doing IF mostly 18-6 and on some days throwing in a 24-hour fast for good measure. I have only lost about 10 pounds, but will keep on doing it as it provides so many other health benefits as well. I am officially middle-aged at 51. Yikes. And that was Sabine, not me, because I'm 49. So I, don't, I do not find 51 to be alarming. <laughs> um, and she says, I find it hard without the fasting to maintain my weight or even lose some pounds despite eating clean and healthy. My question is about mental health and IF. I have a lot of friends and coworkers that struggle with depression. I did some research online and found an interesting article that says that IF can improve depression due to the ketogenic effect. Have you heard of this or have experience with some of your followers from the Facebook group? Keep doing what you're doing. I am tuning in every week and always enjoy listening to your advice and stay motivated. Cheers, Sabine. And then our next one comes from Ashley, and she says, help, I'm melting. Wait, am I? I love that subject line. That one's most creative subject line of the day. Hi, Melanie and Jen. I started IF about two weeks ago and have been listening almost obsessively to your podcasts and researching about this phenomenon. I am so invigorated and excited about this lifestyle that I discovered by accident. I was actually searching for ways to exercise when I came across a woman who said that she walked six miles a day, which were steps in her house. So she's like apparently doing counting her steps, and it adds up to six miles. As I read her story, I found out that she only ate one meal a day and had lost upward of 80 pounds. I was fascinated. I am 51 years old, and for years I have been low-carbing it to maintain my weight. I also walk for exercise and think of the world as my gym every day. When I turned 50, I started gaining weight, up to up 20 pounds in one and a half years. I went to my doctor and had blood work done and found that I am perfectly healthy with the little high cholesterol. I told her that I have no energy, the beginnings of hot flashes, and feeling depressed. She prescribed Zoloft, magnesium, and evening primrose oil. I also take Concerta to focus and sent me home with a list of common practices of conventional dieting. How can I be perfectly healthy when I have no energy, no motivation, and consistently gain weight? As I said, I have been on IF doing 18-6 and reaching for 24. I have not lost any weight, but I keep in mind what y'all say as to sticking with IF, knowing that it will happen. Okay, so yesterday, I swear I could feel my body shrinking. I kept pulling up my jeans and was so happy throughout the day, tickled actually. And today, I got on the scale, and I lost two pounds. I'm exhilarated. I want to shout out to the world that IF is it. Why has it taken so long to find out the simple way of life? My first question is this. Am I really feeling my body shrinking? As a side, my husband has always supported me in all diet endeavors. He usually does whatever I am doing. But when I told him about IF, he thought that it sounded a little extreme. I said to him, that if in three months I don't see a difference, then I will go on to something else. I keep telling him little facts I've been taking away from my research, and this weekend he admitted that he wanted to begin IF as well. He suffers from depression and takes medication to cope. My other question is this. 
Do you have any testimonials about depression being relieved with IF? I am hoping to get off of Zoloft and would love for my husband to get off of his medication. I would also like to get off of Concerta. Have you heard anyone stop taking these types of medication? Thanks and keep encouraging the world to practice IF. Can't wait to hear your answers. Ashley. P.S. I did hear Melanie's voice as I wrote this email, just like someone else mentioned. Ha. I love that ending. I'm in people's heads. Uh, I hear I hear that too from people. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So two wonderful questions. So before we jump into the the mood and the depression and stuff like that, I guess we can speak quickly to Ashley's The melting. The melting. So is is she melting, Jen? Well, you know, there's a phenomenon that um I can't scientifically explain away exactly called the whoosh effect. And the theory is that your body does something with water balance. Now, I've seen it, you know, hypothesized by people that your fat cells are filling up with water. And I've also seen people say, that's ridiculous. Fat cells don't fill up with water. So keep that in mind. I've seen both hypotheses. Well, I'm going to just say I am positive now that they fill up with water. I don't know that your fat cell fills up with water or that the tissues around it just retain water. You see, that's that's what I'm saying. I am not 100% certain that the fat cells themselves are filling up with water, okay? But that's the theory you hear and read. And there's even people have now started making little memes about it and infographics that show fat cells filling up with water. I am not saying your fat cells are necessarily filling up with water, but your body does something with water. I can say that for sure, just like Melanie was just saying. She's 100% sure with, there's something with water. Me too. And so I don't know where the water is, but the whoosh effect is real because people will experience feeling push, not pushy. <laughs> people will experience feeling puffy and swollen and like they're retaining water. Their weight will go up. Then all of a sudden, they'll go to the bathroom a lot during the day. They'll be up in the night to pee. And then suddenly they're down like a whole bunch of pounds overnight. Like all of a sudden. So that's the whoosh effect. So where is the water hiding out? I really am not sure that it's in your fat cells, like I said. But it's definitely somewhere, and we whoosh it right out. And so, yeah, I feel like if your body is releasing a lot of water, you know, think about people who have edema and have a lot of fluid retention in their bodies. You know, they they can swell up, and you can see it looking bigger. And then when they release that water, they physically look smaller. So, yeah. Yeah, we the reason I was so passionate saying that I'm positive, um, like I said, I have the metals and then doing the chelating, which is very taxing on your kidneys and actually uses mm-hmm. your, your water system to excrete the metals. So it's been doing a number on my kidneys, unfortunately, and my, my fluid levels. And I can li- literally see like throughout the day, I mean, I know we see things more in ourselves because it's us right. <laughs> and we overanalyze, but I can very, very definitely see as far as like edema and fluid retention and how it changes. I can just tell you water, water can be huge. It is. It's funny, Ashley. I kind of do the same thing. Not, not with, not where you're feeling it with um, like losing fat, I guess with your jeans, but mine has been mostly my face, but it's like the longer I get into my fast, I literally can feel it like the water, (laughs) you know, going down. I feel like, like she said, like I'm melting in a good way. Um, fasting definitely has a very, very anti-inflammatory effect for sure as well on top of any changes in fat and things like that. So, so yes, it's definitely not all in your head, Ashley, Yeah, if that's what you're 
what you're wondering. It's true. Where's the water? We can't tell you exactly. Somewhere in your tissues. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And then, so as far as the, the mood and the depression and can intermittent and can intermittent fasting address that? So, well, first of all, anecdotally, hands down for me personally, the best thing for my mood has been intermittent fasting. Hardcore. Like, regardless of my mood fluctuations or craziness, when I'm really into my fast, especially when I get... I mean, it doesn't even have to be that long, but I feel like once I hit like, especially like the 14 hour mark or so, this is just me personally, I, I'm, I'm typically always feeling pretty good. And then the longer I go, I feel really good. It's very definite, definitive um, and wonderful for me personally. But I did do a lot of research on the subject. And so there are a ton of studies looking not at intermittent fasting specifically, but looking at calorie restriction and its effect on mood. And they typically do find that calorie restriction has an antidepressant effect. And um, and then the same, I did find studies as well showing fasting do, does the same. And there are a lot of proposed mechanisms for that, but it has to do a lot with a few different things, um, just neurotransmitters in the body, in the brain in general. So calorie restriction and intermittent fasting may modulate those neurotransmitters, especially things like serotonin and also dopamine. So these, these feel good chemicals in our brain that our body produces naturally that make us feel good doing intermittent fasting. It's quite possible that it supports the production of those transmitters, um, in a healthy way. So rather than, you know, a pharmaceutical agent create, creating a dependency in, in creating these transmitters almost superficially Intermittent fasting can help our bodies naturally produce these, which is just really, really wonderful. Um, it also may produce more endorphins and also opioid compounds, um, which are going to make you feel good. Like I said, it's anti-inflammatory, and that has been shown to have a major effect on mood. Actually, it's one of the proposed mechanisms by how other dietary approaches, like like fish oils, like omega threes. Um, I mean, those do address fatty acids that our brains need. So. That's a main reason that fish oil and stuff like that may have an antidepressant effect, but also the inflammatory effect. Anything that has an anti-inflammatory effect on the body um, can potentially have a mood-boosting potential. So intermittent fasting has that going for it. Also, it has been shown to upregulate um, brain-derived neurotropic, neurotropic factor, BDNF, which can help create actually new brain cells in our brains um, and keep everything going really well there. So that is also good for mood. And then I didn't even mention, obviously probably the first thing people think is the ketogenic state and ketones. And um, that has been shown as well to benefit mood and support brain health and feel good. So I defined all those studies showing that. And there are a lot of studies looking at this in Ramadan specifically um, f- to look at the mood effects. I will say though, some of the studies, a lot of them found beneficial effects. Some didn't find any effects. Like they didn't show that it showed that it had an effect either way. Um, some of the Ramadan studies showed a negative effect on mood. Um, but again, I don't know if that's from the intermittent fasting or like the way it's practiced in Ramadan specifically, but one good takeaway I found from a study that was an overview, it, it concluded that a combination of intermittent fasting or calorie restriction, um, so basically dietary modifications, they suggested that it would Ex- accentuate or enhance the use of anti of, con- of conventional antidepressant drugs. So um, maybe using them together might have the best effect. So I don't want to tell, you know, we're not doctors, so I don't want to tell anybody, you know, stop taking your antidepressant medications. Cause I definitely think those have their place. And I think that, you know, a lot of times we do have something off in our neurotransmitters. And I think a lot of people benefit from antidepressant drugs and 
those pharmaceuticals might address the imbalance. And, you know, hopefully they, that that person can address the imbalance, get their, you know, brain back to a place where they're feeling good. And then maybe, you know, with dietary modifications, with intermittent fasting, with anti-inflammatory foods, you know, maybe they can slowly move away from the pharmaceuticals. Um, so yeah, I think there's potential for all of it, but I definitely think people can benefit. So what do you see, Jen, in the, in the groups and what are your thoughts on everything? Yeah, people will ask frequently, it's someone who's new to intermittent fasting and they're going through the hangry phase because their body's not adapted yet. And they're like, I feel awful. I'm so grouchy. I'm moody. Does this get better? And so people are like, yes, yes, it gets better. My mood is more smooth. My mood is more stable. I'm so much more zen. I mean, we hear that all the time. So for me, I'm a whole lot um, better equipped to deal with life's stress, stressful situations. In the fasted state, I just kind of go through the day in a chipper, upbeat mood. And um, actually, one of my sons said it's actually annoying. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, that's an annoying good mood right there. So sorry about that. Um, Back to echo what Melanie said, I wanted to make sure to mention, I know people who are on medications want to get off of them frequently. And always work with the doctor, especially with antidepressants. You don't want to just cold turkey go off of anything. You want to make sure that you're you're doing it properly and under medical supervision and that you also are looking for um, you know, certain red flags that maybe it's it's not working to go off of them and that you need to keep continuing them and, and that sort of thing. But definitely work with your professional, your medical professional, your doctor when you're considering any medication changes. And I'm sure that, that y'all would do that anyway. I just wanted to make sure that it was very, very clear because, you know, that's not something we need to try to do on our own. All right. So I think we have time for one more quick question before we go. So this question is from Elena. And the subject the subject is why fast in the second half of the day? And reading this email, we think she means why eat in the second half of the day. So um, Elena says, hello, ladies. Thank you for the great content you're providing us listeners with. You're both fun and very insightful. I have two questions. Number one, why is it, and this is, she says, why is it your recommend, recommendation to fast? 